You're listening to Ouija Broads. This is Liz. This is Devin. Devin, let's keep it light today. We've talked about historically intense stuff. Yes. We've talked about emotionally intense stuff. Correct. And for the third episode in the Far From Home season, I'm doing something that I believe qualifies as topically and literally light. Love this. Give me a palate cleanse, please. However, I will also, this is both a confession (laughs) and a warning. Wait. Because, okay, so did you ever play Stardew Valley? No. So in Stardew Valley, you can, like, romance the villager and marry them or whatever, and they move into your house. Okay. So a lot of the options to me are just, they seem very young. I'm not here for Mm -hmm. it. Like, they're just, they they vibe, you know, they're like, we're going to start a band in our bedroom. (laughs) I have blue hair now, and my parents hate it. I'm like, no, 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 no. What so Bullshit. I'm not here for that shit. No. So I married the doctor. When, oh. Like, he's a doctor. And I was like, okay, this is going great. I'm getting a good grade in Stardew Valley, something that's normal to want and possible to achieve. Jesus. And then... This one day, Harvey, his name is Harvey, oh, was Dr. like Harvey. Raja, which is the name I picked because I was watching Drag Race at the time. Sure. I was like, Raja, meet me at the train tracks. And I go to the train tracks and Harvey, who canonically has a fear of heights, has arranged a hot air balloon date. Well. In real life, a hot air balloon date is something that scares me so bad. <laughs> I have repeatedly told Matt <laughs> that he must never do this. <laughs> And that is not like a spontaneous, huge expenditure adventure guy. Like, he would plan something nice, but he would talk to me about it. But I'm so scared that somebody might threaten to put me on a hot air balloon that I have brought this up repeatedly. This is one of my worst fears. Hot air balloons. So if you are scared of hot air balloons, like me, this might not be as light a story for you. Not because anything horrible happens, just because the sheer premise is upsetting. So in the game, he was like, I have a fear of heights, but for you, I can be brave. And I'm like, I don't want to go. But that's not an option. Oh, you have to go on the date. You have to go on the fear factor date in Stardew Valley. So this is a game for kids? What's happening here? How did it tap into your deepest concerns? This is very specific to me, I think. Yeah. I think other people see hot air balloons and they're like, how lovely. You get to float through the sky. And I'm like, you're floating through the sky. <laughs> I don't you think. You can't steer. I think this is just on your game. I think it's like Saw. I think Stardew Valley is this insidious. <laughs> it's psychological torture. Psychological torture. <laughs> and it, For other people, it'd be like, ooh, we're going to go spill lunch. Yes, correct. <laughs> correct. For me, it was going to be. We're going to touch a bunch of wet hair. But see, at least nobody wants to do that. Whereas I feel like hot air balloons are like, people have festivals about them. Stupid people. people. Awful people. upset me greatly (laughs) because you cannot control them. You're just up high and you don't have any control over them. They're the jellyfish of the sky, aren't they? The jellyfish of the sky. Well, (laughs) speaking of jellyfish of the sky, so we've talked about a couple things that are described as that, right? Like, we talked about the balloon bombs. We did. 
we've talked about the, let's the see. blah uh the, it, the, the blobs the, yeah the oakville blobs, oakville blobs. Uh, we've talked about db cooper falling from the sky a lot of things up in the sky the whale that exploded and came back oh down God. from the sky yup the whale explosion this story is about cluster ballooning what so hot air ballooning is when you put the hot air in a big balloon. Oh, yeah. Tell me more. Cluster ballooning is when you do an up. It's when you take what? something, usually a lawn chair or similar, <laughs> and you attach a bunch of helium balloons to it <laughs> so that it lifts you up in the air. I did this with my dachshund once. What? <laughs> I didn't know this was a thing. Don't you force your dachshund to suffer my greatest we, fear. Yeah, we died. We tied like 10 helium balloons to Bailey once, you remember? And then it didn't work. I was not here for this. It didn't work because he was too heavy for 10 helium balloons, but we felt bad. This was some party. You had to have been there. So we no. floated him around the party by holding him with the balloons tied to him so he still got the experience. Unlike his little harness he had, his little, like suit his little vest his little vest yeah we just tied him to his harness and then we carried him around but with the balloons still attached so he felt like he was floating well i like that part where it's just kind of a festive costume <laughs> no it was a whole concept cluster ballooning sounds like like a, a disease it sounds like something you go to a neurologist for a neurologist or a proctologist, to be honest. <laughs> Either. Something's going Something wrong. I'm, just going I'm still thinking about it. I've never had a dog that balloons could lift. <laughs> I currently have a dog that could be used as, like, ballast oh, for a large freighter. He absolutely could <laughs> indeed. He's the, the weight that the party rental place gives you when it ties balloons to a thing yes, to make bad. sure they don't blow away and, and ruin your child's fifth birthday. Oh Back to the topic of cluster ballooning. Cluster ballooning. I hate the words. Yeah, it's not great, but I kind of get why they wanted to differentiate sure. it. There have been a lot of balloonists who have tried this over the years. Okay. And I will say, don't try this at home because <laughs> there are some of them for whom it has worked out very poorly. Oh, no. I'll just leave it at that. Like, okay. the winds will take you where they want to take you, and it's dangerous. You are up in airspace without a permit. Mm -hmm. You don't have any control over where you're going. You're at altitude. Please do not try this at home. That said, nothing bad happened to Kent Couch, <laughs> who is the guy I want to tell you about. <laughs> Please tell me about Kent Couch, the cluster balloonist. He did not attach balloons to a couch is the first thing. And, like, I get it, but I'm also a little disappointed. Oh, absolutely. It's probably way too heavy. He mostly would use, like, a lawn chair. Okay. Because there you go. Okay. So, Kent Couch, here's what his website says. Devoted husband, father of five, and gas station owner. Seems like just another man, but underneath the surface, you'll find a characteristic not quite normal. While most men have a passion for sports or hunting, you know, ah, the two genders, it, yes. uh, Kent has a passion for cluster ballooning, much to the chagrin of his supportive wife, Susan. So, Kent owns or owned, I'm not sure to be honest, a gas station, the Stop and Go, in Bend, Oregon. Okay. I mean, the first question I think that a lot of people ask 
somebody who does or wants to do this activity is why. Yeah. And one answer that Kent has given is when you're a little kid and you're holding a helium balloon, it has to cross your mind. I'm like, you know, (laughs) Kent... Yeah, you got a point. <laughs> Factual, indeed. Yeah, I think you know, it's a pretty normal thing to contemplate. Yeah. Where you're like, yeah. this has some lift. Yeah. How much lift would be enough yeah. lift, yeah. I wonder. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so this was apparently a childhood dream for him. Originally, I wanted to do it because of boyhood dreams, I don't know about girls, but I think most guys look up in the sky and wish they could ride on a cloud. (laughs) Well, all right, Kent. So, (laughs) not really sure what the relationship to gender is. I I would say that's another, all little kids are like, and then my my bed is a cloud and I can fly. Yeah, yeah. It's an intriguing association. I don't know if he, like, compared notes with his brother yeah. a lot growing up yeah. or something, but he really seems to have... He thinks of this as a guy thing, and I will admit, when I was doing my research, I did not find any cluster balloonists that were not guys. <laughs> so maybe Kent is onto something here. You know what? <laughs> maybe somebody needs to break that glass ceiling. You just hook 40 helium balloons to yourself and shoot straight up through that glass ceiling for everybody. You're, you're right. And Liz, among the three of us, Kent is the cluster balloon expert. So perhaps we this should true. bow to him on... All things balloon gender related. I think I'll say that the research is inconclusive on this point. Well, there's just, we need a lot more information before we can figure out what what the dream of flying with balloons is. I mean, in Up, it was an old man. I, I He's got us there. I need a lot more information to just orient me into this story. The, Cluster ballooning, is this a sport? Do people do this solo? How do they come back down? Do they pop the balloons one at a time? Like, are you going to get into this or, and I just need to chill? Let me describe Kent's first flight to you and it'll probably make more sense. Okay. So the most famous cluster balloonist of the 20th century is probably the man known as Lawn Chair Larry, who was a Californian guy in, I believe, 1984, who took off, lost control, unfortunately, and had to radio down to let people know that he was coming down in their airspace. Right? Oh, okay, sorry. 1982 was when Lawn Chair Larry Walter did his lawn chair helium balloon ride. Okay. And Kent had always wanted to do this, but, you know, you, you think about it as a kid. You're like, I'll hold on to it with my hand. Sure. You're like, oh, in real life, that would be terrible. Yeah. On September 18th, 2006, Kent made his first attempt launching his custom-made cluster balloon lawn chair from Bend, Oregon. He was in the air for six hours before resorting to a parachute landing into Brothers, Oregon. Although Kent Couch's first flight experience had many triumphs, there were many glitches and hiccups. Before long, Kent began planning another cluster balloons flight, this time equipped with the experience of his first trip. So, when you are considering moving yourself into the air Mm -hmm. with helium Mm -hmm. 
there's a couple considerations. One, I have already had a panic attack about on the air, which is that you cannot steer. No, you cannot. The most you can do in terms of steering is finding wind that is going the way you want to go. Okay. So if you go higher or lower, you have a little bit of say in it, or at least you, know, you can look at the weather, you can make a reasonable guess, but you yeah. don't have, you know, propulsor jets or anything. Yeah. You are passive to the wind. The second thing is you want to go up, not too far up. Yeah. And you want to come down, not too fast. <laughs> Those are crucial features. <laughs> so the way that Kent manages this is he has his lawn chair and the balloons get attached to the top in kind of a balanced way. And then he has usually a couple of bags of water that are ballast so that he can actually have this counterbalance and say, okay, I want to go faster, slower. I'm going to keep the water. I'm going to get rid of it. And when he wants to decrease his altitude mm -hmm. on that very first flight, he shot the balloons with a BB gun. <laughs> <laughs> he just sat there thousands of feet in the air in his lawn chair. Did he have a seatbelt? I hope so. Or something. I don't even like ski lifts. I'm starting to realize I have a real problem with heights. I think you do. Okay, but he would shoot the balloons with a BB gun, which I believe, oh, that's ridiculous. also what Monster Larry did, is shot them with like, I, I think it was honestly like a, a Christmas story style red sure. rifle that he dropped after about four of them. Oh but my God. But one of the crucial things with this is you're going you know, 40, 50, 100 balloons. You need to shoot them down evenly mm -hmm. because you do not want your chair to start to tip forward sure. or back or side to side. Sure. But Kent actually is a bit of an engineer and figured out a way that would let him have some balloons in arm's reach so that yeah. he could release small amounts of helium and descend at a more gradual pace. Okay. The the bags of water also helped balance him by putting one on each corner, right? It keeps the base of the chair level to the ground a lot better. Okay. So can can we go over this in my head out yeah. loud? Yeah, yeah. You can also look up pictures if you want. I would rather garble along on air and make you make okay. fun of me. What I'm imagining <laughs> is a pretty standard lawn chair from our mm -hmm. childhoods, you know, like the aluminum frame kind of woven seat and back with how many balloons are we talking? You said 40, 50, 100, like... I think, let's see. Does he it, ever say... It varied depending on the size, but on his... 2007 flight, it was 105 balloons. Okay. But these are, like, big balloons. These are balloons yeah. that are, like, the size of a guy sometimes in some of these pictures. These yeah. These are very, very large balloons. Okay. These are not just, like, I went to the dollar store and I got a bunch of these and I'm going to blow them up for this party. Like, they very, very large, sturdy balloons. Okay. Okay, sometimes gotcha. Sometimes referred to as weather balloons, although I think they look very festive, <laughs> I think they might be the kind of balloon they use at like sporting events sure, or right. political conventions or something. Like they're they're beyond your standard party city thing. <laughs> I'm typing cluster ballooning into Google right now so that I can look at a photo while while we're talking about this and I will say the first thing is cluster ballooning deaths. <laughs> cluster ballooning cost 
cluster ballooning in Spanish. Hmm. How to do cluster balloons. That's probably because of that one priest. Um. (laughs) There was a priest? Yeah, they found his bottom half eventually. (gasps) He's the the most shocking, like, oh no. Oh no, top ten shocking cluster balloon deaths caught on camera. He's number one, huh? On that count. I don't know that they caught any of them on camera. <laughs> yeah. I have, I'm suspicious of that clickbait. <laughs> okay. Looking this up so that I can see what this looks like. Couchballoons.com. My goodness. That's the guy. My... He hasn't updated that shit since about 2012, mm, but it's still there. No. <gasps> These do look like the the... Big-ass balloons that you see advertising a used car lot. This takes the... Yeah, they're very large balloons. Mm -hmm. See, I'm really glad you're looking at a picture because I feel like you can paint the picture better than I can by myself. And his lawn chair in the pictures I've seen, like, I I definitely also was vibing on, like, the lawn chair my grandpa had. But it's almost more of a recliner or something it's like a solid piece yeah i wanted his little leggies to be dangling you know and (laughs) i'm not seeing that i'm seeing almost more what i would expect from a homemade hot air balloon which i guess essentially is what we have here i mean i've seen some some cluster balloonists with leggies dangling but my goodness at least some of kent's things he had you know something behind his legs my goodness this is you go to couchballoons.com and its latest flight, July 14th, 2012. Although the flight didn't go as planned, we still had a lot of fun. What? Yeah. It didn't go I'll as, get there. Don't worry. It didn't go as planned? <laughs> like, what do you... No. That's not something that you're joyous about. You have strapped your 200-pound meat suit to a lawn chair and tied a whole bunch of weird old egg-shaped balloons to it that you plan on controlling by shooting out one at a time like you're at a fair trying to win a teddy bear for your sweetheart. The, in all the festive colors. In all the festive colors. My goodness. Yeah. Let me tell you about that That first, what he considers his first flight, his first official flight. Okay. On July 7th, 2007... In his words, with the support of his wife, five children, his chihuahua, Isabel, and his friends. Like, only the (laughs) chihuahua gets a name. He launches at 6.06 a.m. Saturday morning from his stop-and-go Shell gas station. Located on U.S. Highway 20 and Northeast 27th Street in Bend, Oregon. I guess in case you need, uh, you know, microwave hot dog or some gas. Yes. So he had 105 balloons attached to a reinforced lawn chair. Reinforced is so important. That's so important. His video camera, cell phone, GPS, a knife, and onboard snacks. I'm like, what was a knife for? We <laughs> were going to fight up there. What were you doing? What was that for? That's in- but no baby because he could actually let the helium out All right. on his own at that point. All right. So normally how this is done is, you know, you have your folks at the beginning who watch you take off. And then you have a, a follow team, a road team that is going along trying to keep an eye on you. So that they know where you're going to land, because you don't. Because <laughs> <laughs> you don't yep. is right. Yep. So on his first flight, Kent was sailing along, but he was, let's see, I'm like, how long was he up in the air for on that first flight, that first formal flight? I'm honestly not sure. 
when you're up doing this, it is an upsetting altitude for me. I yeah. mean, we've established they all are, they, yeah. I guess. I was going to say. It's- we're talking like 12,000, 13,000 feet. And oh my I looked this up because numbers, uh, measurements mean nothing sure. to me. Sure. So commercial airlines require cabin pressurization at all times above 8,000 feet. Private aircraft are required to do it above 10. So we're talking, you are in the zone where the altitude is dangerous and you're up there completely unpressurized. Oh my goodness. They are going, you know, 20, 30 miles per hour (laughs) once the wind catches them. Like that's very fast to not have a helmet or anything (laughs) or a face shield or anything. So Kent, on this very first flight, leaves Bend. He's starting to approach LeGrand. I guess he's looking at his GPS, or maybe he just really knows what stuff looks like from up high. I suppose. But he's like, you know, I only have eight pounds of ballast left. I only have a gallon of water left. And I know Hell's Canyon is coming up. I'm not prepared to deal with that. That is too risky. He wanted to go to Idaho. Like, consistently, well, Kent's mission <laughs> is to be, to, to cross to state cross lines. state lines. In the air. I'm sorry, to violate airspace across multiple states is Kent's mission. Well, you know, it really confuses law enforcement <laughs> when you do that. <laughs> in the book. So this was a little bit dicey landing-wise because he made two landing attempts and then was just out of water. Like, he he was basically out of his ability to control whether he was going up or down. In his words, skimming the ground at around 20 miles per hour, Kent tucked and rolled into a wheat field in North Powder, Oregon. No! Yeah, there was a rope attached to the chair for the ground crew to assist Kent in bringing the cluster balloon craft in, but the ground crew was not there yet. So Kent grabbed a hold of the rope before the chair took off. Without the weight of Kent and his parachute, the cluster balloons now had a 200-pound lift differentiation. <laughs> yeah! I'm really happy to hear about the parachute. He didn't l- mention that when he was talking about his equipment, but that's great. A parachute's Safety a first. good idea. Safety first, Kent. Yeah, this meant Kent, without gloves, was attempting to keep 200 pounds on the ground with a tiny rope. He let go of it. It shot into the air with his cell phone, video camera, and GPS. (laughs) It was not until a year later that a farmer found his video camera and gave it back to him. Oh, my God. Which I'm glad he eventually got it back. He probably was like, somebody's got to know where that went. Wow. Okay, well, I'm glad that they... Found it. Sounds phenomenal. I'm trying to remember, and I had to look it up. So you said that he he hit the ground at 20 to 30 miles an hour is his estimate. Mm-hmm. When you're landing in a parachute, I thought it was less, but I just looked it up. You're supposed to hit the ground at maximum 12 miles an hour. It's hard on the knees, but in <laughs> fairness, in a parachute, you can't really tuck and roll because you've got... Your, your leads or whatever they're called. I suppose so. I, I glad that you're giving all fairness to the man who tied himself to some child's toys filled with a very volatile gas and just went Mary Poppinsing away into the wild blue <laughs> yonder. Like, good for you. Keep giving him all fairness here, Liz. 
Well, <laughs> he's going to do it a bunch more is the thing. I feel like I've, I really shed my skepticism that I've been rocking for the past couple episodes. Okay. And I'm just like, you know, you lived. Who am yeah, I to yeah, judge? Right? But I'm also reading The Martian. So maybe I'm just very patient for like, fuck it. I don't know. If you lived, you won. If you lived, you won, yeah. If you lived, you did something, right? Yeah. So he loved this. His dream was fulfilled. Okay. He did some news tours. Okay. According to a later article, the FAA talked to Kent after every one of these, but they won't actually, like, crack down on him until much later. So this time around, in 2008, Kent makes much more of a production of it. His flight path is put up on Google Maps. Oh. He has a takeoff party at the Pilot Butte Theater. There's <laughs> free helium balloons for the kids. <laughs> There's a coffee vendor. You can get breakfast sandwiches from the Mini Mart, the Stop and Go. Mm. And here's my favorite part of the 2008 flight's description. Final destination, Boise, Idaho, weather permitting. <laughs> but as Kent always says when asked where he is going, I have no idea. <laughs> I think what's resonating with me about this is this is just a very literal representation of how a lot of us feel a lot of the time. I think you're right. I think you're I right. I don't know. Do you want a helium balloon <laughs> for the kids? Do you want a breakfast sandwich? He sounds very positive for a man that's, mm-hmm. like I said, strapping himself to a volatile gas and just letting go and letting God pretty literally. Pretty much. I mean, he had a great time up there. I would just die. I would just <laughs> will my heart to stop. I, I would give every state secret. I mean, I don't know any of them. You don't. I would You'd make them just, up. just like somehow come up with them. Yeah. And then I would will my heart to yeah, stop. Yeah, you would. But Kent was having a great time because he felt like he was a cloud. That's so sweet. I think what happened is that Kent saw that one Winnie the Pooh <laughs> where he holds on to the balloon and he's being a little a little thundercloud yeah. and trying to fool the bees. And he went, God, I wish that was me. <laughs> I think that. What? And then he lived the dream. So he actually went on Good Morning America before the 2008 flight. And talked to Diane Sawyer. (laughs) And as he put it, his wife, Suzanne, is supportive but chagrined. Mm -hmm. And her quote on this, I think, is fantastic. She said, you can't let a good man stay down. He, this time, successfully made it across the border. He didn't make it to Boise, but he landed in Cambridge, Idaho, which set a new world record. Good for you, Kent. I'm proud of you, bud. I'm proud of you, honey. You made it a party. So how do you top it? So you've you've done the flight and proved that it can be done. Okay, yes. You weren't able to cross a border the first time. That's okay. You did it again. You did it the second time. Right. Uh, what about uh, more people? Wait, more people in the chair with you? Well, he starts to become a bit of a, a coach. Okay. A bit of... Okay. So in 2009, it's on his website as the 2009 flight. Wait, I'm sorry. This is. Can I interrupt? (laughs) He's had two successful flights and now he's coaching other people. Is that all it takes? Like, I can coach people with so many things, you guys. Live your life with the confidence of Kent Couch advising a cluster balloonist after surviving two and a half flights. (laughs) 
So he ends up coaching this guy from California named John Freese. Okay. He helps John Freese at least do a little cluster ballooning. It looks like he just kind of landed some distance away. Yeah. It wasn't like a record-breaking thing. Okay. And that gives him more ideas as to what to do with the skill that he evidently has. Oh, God. So 2010, the 2010 flight is a race <laughs> between Kent Stop. and John. Stop. It is the first ever two-man cluster <sighs> balloon race. Yeah, technically the smallest cluster fuck you can have. <laughs> <laughs> No, and again, it's like, in what sense is it a race? You can't steer. <laughs> you can't steer. You're not in charge of how fast you go. <laughs> it's just kind of two people starting from the same point. Like, by this logic, I am in a race with everyone I ever get out of an elevator at the same time as. Correct. This is just like you start from the same point. Oh, boy. This is the Shriners having a rubber ducky race where they just dump a bunch of duckies in a river and you're lucky if yours makes it first. Not by any (laughs) skill, only by the grace of God. Yeah, if anything... This is slightly less controlled because I feel like if they crashed into each other, which could very well have happened, it would have been a tragedy. But they didn't. Okay. So they take off together, Mm -hmm. I assume, from the stop and go. Yes. Because it's a fantastic staging. Sure is. 170 balloons each. (laughs) And... Seven hours later, all that it says on the website is both competitors tried their best to travel as far as possible. However, the wind was not as cooperative as they had hoped. John landed after 72.99 miles and won the race, landing in Paulina. Kent reached a distance of 69.99 miles. I'm like, what do you mean they tried their best? Like, they didn't bail? Yeah, yeah. I guess they didn't quit. I mean, <laughs> they didn't shoot down their balloons like five meters into it, just being like, yeah, no, I'm not into it. No, thank you. They didn't. I mean, to me, that's basically a tie. I feel like the difference is so minimal. Yes. Yes. That I feel like you both did a great yes. job. You went, you went like 72 miles, about 70 miles in seven hours. That's, first of all, less terrifying as a rate of speed. <laughs> But also, <laughs> it does feel like they should both have gotten a trophy for that one. I hope they Yeah, do. this is sharing a victory, gentlemen. Now, Kent meets later in his career, I guess, such as it is. Sure. He, he's met a kindred spirit in John, and then he meets a kindred spirit internationally. Mm. And this kindred spirit is Captain Farid Abdul Zara Al Saudi of Iraq. Okay. Who is a pilot. I love that we have the first contender entering the race who feels as though he might have... Flight experience? Pertinent experience. Yes, thank you. Appreciate that. I'm, I'm betting on the captain here. One of the things that I liked as I was exploring the whole concept of cluster balloons (laughs) is what is the FAA going to actually do? Because 
It's one thing if you take an unlicensed aircraft up that is supposed to have a certification. Okay, yeah. Then they're like, you're flying without a certification, that's illegal. But there's no regulations about lawn chairs. (laughs) Similarly, (laughs) if you violated airspace, they would take away... Your license, but most of these guys don't have a pilot's license in the first place. They are two steps ahead of the government at all times. I'm surprised if these gentlemen have a driver's license. They feel very much like Creed Bratton from The Office. They don't give a F about nothing. They do what they want. (laughs) Did you read the thing about the dog... It's going to sound upsetting, but it's fine. Okay. There was a car accident. The dog was ejected from the car and started being a, a sheep herding dog in Idaho. I did. I did. Yeah, the dog was just like, <laughs> all right. <laughs> New life for me. He pulled a Julia Roberts movie in the 80s and went, ha I have traded up. Yeah. I shall do this new no thing No one knows now. me here, no. but I know about sheep <laughs> yeah. somehow. That's what I feel like these guys are always on the verge of doing. Like if the balloons came down and nobody found them, they'd be like, I live here now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I do believe they would. Good thing I've got a chair and some water left. Yep. Now, here is another piece of evidence about whatever is going on with the demographics of who dreams of flying with balloons. So, Captain Lofta, Lofta is generally the way that they abbreviate okay. this guy's name, is a pilot is a skydiver. Yo. But his dreams of flight came from the Care Bears cartoons. (laughs) I love that. Because of how they lived in the clouds. And he wanted to live in the clouds, too. Another cloud. My goodness. The uh, uh, saying should not be reach for the stars. It's obviously live in the clouds. Live in the clouds. Keep your head in the clouds and your whole body in the clouds because you're just (laughs) flying through the clouds. Why not? (laughs) (sighs) Yeah. Oh, I should clarify at this point. He has spigots in his in his water bags. So that's how he can like let a little bit out at a time. He's thought Uh, this through. I gotcha. Okay, because definitely in my head it was kind of poking a hole with your finger in a bag mm-hmm. and letting a little out. And I guess I hadn't fully thought through how you make the water stop when enough ballast has left. I guess you just kept your finger <laughs> in like the after hole. after a party when somebody brought ice and you didn't use it. Yep. <laughs> yep. Just a bag. Just a bag of that. I, he, he ran a stop and go. He clearly had bags upon bags of ice that he could turn into bags upon bags of water, Liz. I did think it through a little. There we go. Now that has a certain logic. <laughs> it's the only logical thing about this whole story so far. Yeah. Well, I do feel like there's a little bit of a, a feeling from Kent that he needs to do something with this publicity. And it's not just break records. I also think, so there was a guy from Center, Washington who allegedly set the cluster ballooning record 
but on Wikipedia, it says that it was waiting to be verified, and I tried to look it up, and I could not find that Guinness had verified it. But okay. I do recall that Guinness was trying to move away from verifying records of things that might make people die because they didn't like encouraging people to do stuff in order to get in the Guinness Book of World Records and then dying. So wow. it's possible that they just said, we're not verifying this. Yeah. We don't want a problem. Yeah. Yeah. Now, let's go back to 2012. Okay. 2012, and Kent, the American, and Farid, the Iraqi, share a dream. But they also realize that there's a certain visibility to their partnership. So they actually yes. say that they're going to use this flight as a way to raise awareness about war orphans in Iraq. Oh. And they have a couple flights planned. So initially, the initial plan, and this does not go as planned, of course, is of course. that they're going to fly in Oregon on Kent's territory. And then they're going to fly in Iraq on Farid's territory. Mm-hmm. I will put everyone's mind at ease. As far as I can tell, they never even went there together. Oh, goodness. I don't know what happened Whew. with Farid after this, but... I don't know how it would have worked out in 2012 to cluster balloon through Iraq. I think it was a very sweet idea. Yeah. But I would worry. I mean, I'm already incredibly worried about people's safety, and that's before trying to do something like that in what was going on with Iraq in 2012. But they did get to do their preliminary tandem flight a tandem flight july 14th 2012 they have a special rig two-man lawn chair (laughs) and they have it's something like how many balloons was it it was a lot of balloons let's see um can i guess before you find out Yes, please do. I just have way too many tabs open. I'm going to guess, like, 242. That sounds right. Doesn't it sound good? Oh, here we go. 350. My gosh. Pretty close. Hot damn. So, again, they they take off from the stop and go. They're sitting side by side, which I find (laughs) oddly adorable. So cute! Kent and Fareed take off from the stop and go. And they were hoping actually to do an overnighter. They wanted to take off Saturday morning and land late Sunday, as far as I can tell, because they wanted to get to northwest Montana. They wanted to go all the way across Idaho and end up in Montana. And this would sort of be like a prototype flight for what they would do in Iraq. This was also a way of raising awareness and doing fundraising and stuff. But unfortunately, 35 of the balloons burst approximately. Approximately. Just from pressure and stuff. Okay. They were trying to adjust their altitude. They had a hard time reaching the elevations that would get them the air currents they needed. What it sounds like to me is that this is not a thing that scales in a linear fashion. And I'm not a flight engineer, but in fairness, neither is Kent. (laughs) I think that in terms of, so if he he put more science and calculations into this, then I apologize for implying that he didn't. Okay. But what it seems like to me is they just kind of went, more guys, more balloons. Yeah, right. More water, we're good. Well, in fairness, (laughs) 
at least for, I think it was this flight, it was actually Kool-Aid. It was cherry Kool-Aid because oh they God. thought that was more festive. No, guys. And childlike. You're just making it rain blood upon the people <laughs> below you across I four like states. Blue Kool-Aid or something. Oh, like they do on like menstrual product commercials. Yeah, like, yeah. Can you make mysterious it mysterious blue liquid? Yeah, yeah. So they well, ended up circling for three hours near Prineville, which is apparently only about thirty-five miles northeast. Circling and. Yeah, they just weren't going anywhere. They couldn't catch the air current that would actually get them where they were trying to okay. go. Okay, okay. And then thunderstorms started moving <gasps> in. So there was hail, there was snow. It was not a fun kind of cloud to be in anymore. I mystified that this was in July, but I guess the, the mountains do what they want to do, man. Whatever goes on at 10,000 feet is none of my business. Yeah. <laughs> None of my business, and I shouldn't be up there. And I shouldn't be up there. So, logistical question, we've covered wind, can't control that, right? Mm-hmm. We've covered weather, can't control that. What do you do when you have to pee? How, they wanted to do an overnight this balloon? is why, guys, only cost a balloon. Yes, clearly, <laughs> clearly this is. I'm you thinking. top up the ballast bag. You just I don't top know. up, I guess so. And I'm going like, no, my balloon chair, Frankenstein's monster of an apparatus, you might as well just rig me up to a toilet. Just make it a porta potty because I am not going to be able to endure a seven hour anything without at least two powder room trips. I don't even like doing stuff I enjoy for seven hours in a row. Not unless it's sleeping. Sleeping. Yep. That's yep. about the only thing. Same. No, it sounds like a road trip. Uh, like a road trip where you can't shift around too much or you might throw off the balance or, or you delicate. Yeah. Yeah. Lawn chair situation. Can you imagine driving from here to Portland, Oregon, and it's like, well, you can't scratch your foot because you might flip out of your car and plummet 10,000 feet below. Can't get out and stretch. Mm-mm. Yeah. Mm, it stresses me out. It does stress me out. You're like, oh, I drank so much coffee before I got on. I drank so much coffee, and there's mm-hmm. so much ballast sloshing around. The food they had was boiled eggs, jerky, and chocolate. And I'm like, that is not a... Disgusting. That, that is a binding diet. Maybe I- that was the intent. <laughs> You're like, at least we won't have to worry about this. But I'm thinking about... I don't know, nobody asks these hard questions that we're asking. Like, if they were going to go overnight, were they going to sleep in ships? Yeah. Does it even matter? Does it I mean, matter? I mean, the only thing you can control is your altitude. Sure. By letting water out or air out. So I guess um, that's relevant because if you're headed toward a place where you cannot safely go, you need to put the thing down very quickly. Liz, you can also control your attitude. And I feel like yours right now is negative. You need to give Kent and the captain, which should have been their names, by the way. Kent and the captain sounds like a... Kent and the captain. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. We're good with that one. You need to give them the benefit of the doubt. They clearly had this all thought out, super planned through. They knew how their sleep chore chart was going to work out. I'm sure they had considered all of these angles. Positive. I feel the need to note, just because if I were listening to this, I would be irritated that attitude is also an aviation term. No, stop, <laughs> that is means, it? like, 
Yeah, like the orientation of the flying thing in space. So there's how mm. high up you are. And then there's how you're oriented relative to the horizontal plane. Oh. <laughs> altitude and attitude. Altitude and attitude. But their attitude was great. They had it under control in both <laughs> senses. Really both attitudes were great. Both my attitudes are bisexual, by the way. <laughs> That's my. I wonder if they talked while they were hanging out yeah. there, or if they just looked at stuff. I do think I'd be a lot of like pointing out cows to you, or you know, asking you like, "What do you think that is? Is that a plane or a bird? What are we seeing? Are we seeing a, a big thing far away or a little thing up close?" And I'm just sobbing. <laughs> yeah, I know. Here I am trying to be like, "Look, Liz, a blue jay," and you're just, "I don't want it. I don't want it. I don't want it." <laughs> This is how I am whenever I decide that I'm going to go on a, a thrill ride at the fair. Too. Why do you do that to yourself? You know you well, don't like it. Sometimes it's fun after. <laughs> sometimes it's fun after. My God. It's like an ayahuasca ceremony. The whole thing sucks butt, but afterward, it's okay. <laughs> I had an experience. I don't, I don't know. I get scared watching other people on thrill rides sometimes. <laughs> This is the one that you were reading about. Although the flight didn't go as planned, we still had a lot of fun. That, that was the fun they had, was circling about 30 circling. miles away from where they took off from for three hours. You know, looking at cows, being in the clouds. Being in the clouds, chilling, being a cloud. Being Ugh. a cloud. They're like, this is cloud simulation experience. <laughs> this is what it's like sometimes you just go in a circle for a while with your butt I want to experience cluster ballooning but like from five feet up I want my butt to be about the height of my husband's head so that I'm just floating. I'm getting the sensation, but I have someone there who weighs more than me and is stronger than me that can immediately pull me back to the ground. I would like it, yeah, if I had like a rope and I could go up just a little, just a little <laughs> bit. <laughs> or just be neutrally buoyant. That would be kind of fun. That'd be cool. Like, well, you're, like we you're have float on a, tanks on a for space that. Station or something. Mm-hmm. Like you're not, like, I'm not mm-hmm. going up. I'm just. Not really touching the ground. <laughs> That's an important distinction. That's now, fun. just with this this extreme fear of heights you have, I feel like I could put you in a lawn chair in a backyard and you'd raise your feet off of the grass and be like, ah, yes, I have experienced the height I wish to from cluster ballooning. You just take me to a trampoline park and I'm like, whoa, all right. <laughs> now I know what it's like to be a cloud. <laughs> <laughs> You're such a cheap date. <laughs> oh my god. Okay. Now, this was the last flight of Kent Couch, as far as I know, was okay. this they didn't really go anywhere, but they had a good time <laughs> yeah. tandem flight. Yeah. The Iraq one did not come to pass. I don't know mm-hmm. whether it was logistics on Farid's end, whether it was logistics on Kent's end. What I do know is that the FAA fined Kent after this last one. I think they were having enough of his shenanigans at this Mm -hmm. point. Like you said, they had talked to him after every single one. His impression 
was that they were getting uncomfortable with the idea that he was inspiring other people to do this. And I can see that, that, like I said, there have been tragic ends to this. Sure. I don't know enough about Kent to know whether he was particularly qualified for this either engineering and mechanic wise whether he whether bend and eastern oregon and central oregon make a really good place to do this whether he had good people to call on for insight on this or whether he just was really really lucky right but it would be possible very easily to be very unlucky and yeah sure as charming as I find this, you're not filing a flight plan. You're you're mm-hmm. in airspace that is being used. Admittedly, mm-hmm. most of what Kent is doing is not crossing over like commercial flights, but right. we know what it's like, especially in farming communities. Oh, like yeah. one crop duster yep. could have taken Kent out completely. They would have yep. had no idea he was yep. there. And yep. it would have been tragic for everybody. You know, oh, it sounds I, like one power line could have taken out mm-hmm. Kent and then would have also fucked up a whole lot of other people's days. That's what happened with Lawn Chair Larry. He made like a, <gasps> a, a, I mean, he lived, but he took out power for the whole town for like 15 minutes or something. Lawn Chair Larry, lines. you go sit in the corner. Naughty chair for you, Lawn Chair Larry. <laughs> I mean, it's hard to argue that Doing it doesn't inspire other people, given how many people are like, I was inspired by this. And also yeah. the Care Bears, but mostly realizing that this was possible in the first place. That you could actually do it. I mean, yeah, I, I maybe I'm inferring more than you or Kent are implying. It doesn't feel like this, like, who killed the electric car kind of conspiracy where there were lobbyists being like, no, we must keep the men down. You know, your feet are meant for God's green earth. And how dare you try to slip the surly bonds and all <laughs> that. that. That really does feel more like the FAA being like, fuck, we're going to get sued into, Boliv- into Bolivia? What the we're fuck? We're going to get sued into <laughs> Bolivia with Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. And the Sundance Kid. <laughs> Worst case Ontario, we end up in Bolivia. I meant sued into oblivion like who knows where I was going with that (laughs) yeah I mean they find him like four or five grand as far as I can tell oh my gosh Kent had the same attitude we did when we heard about this or at least it sounds like you did and I certainly did which is like eh, fair enough yeah right Right. uh, he was kind of like I don't love that they did this to me, but I understand that there's a reason why they exist. Sure, sure. That was, as far as I know, the last flight of Kent Couch. Now, his Twitter, his website, his Facebook did not update after that. Okay. I went on newspapers.com. I don't know what he's been up to so much, but if he has still been ballooning, he has been doing it very quietly. However, he did mention helium was getting really expensive. (laughs) Well, if I were Kent, after I had been fined by the FAA, I would also continue to fly under the radar. (laughs) Oh, 
if I were going to continue clustering, clustering, I can't use that as a verb. I'm really sorry. (laughs) Cluster ballooning. I hope that regardless, he had great memories of it. I hope that maybe it was less stressful for his friends and family when he wasn't doing it. Absolutely. I'm really happy that he got away clean, you know? Like, he he did a thing, he did the thing, he got better at it, he inspired other people, and nobody got hurt. And I hope everybody involved with it had a great time and made some wonderful memories. It would be my greatest nightmare, and it was his fondest dream, and I support him. Because it's life is a rich tapestry. <laughs> it takes I'm all glad types. that he wanted to be a cloud. He got to be a little cloud. Oh, little couch cloud. I yeah. love this. Good for him. Good job, Kent. We salute you. Yeah. Just... Do your thing. That's awesome. What what a good place to try it. <laughs> like, other than the crop dusters. Like, yeah, there's a lot of space out there. <laughs> there is. Pacific Northwest, man. If you are going to lift yourself up to 10,000 feet and see some really beautiful sights and also a real big diversity of geography in 70 miles, like, top choice, my friend. Yeah, he got to fulfill a childhood dream. He got to have some degree of celebrity. He got to have a lot of fun. I, he, he said, if I could do this every weekend, I would. And I'm like, okay. Aww. He got to make friends from sure. all around the world. And then, as far as I can tell, he went back to running the stop and go. So, awesome. Uh, that seems like a net win to me. That is a success story. That really feels like the absolute best way this story could have gone. Had successful flights, no grievous bodily harm, had a slap on the wrist, retired peacefully. Mm Mm-hmm. And do not try this at home, but I'm glad everything worked out for him. If you had any childhood dream that you could make come true in real life as an adult, what do you think it would be? It would be to fly. I mean, that's my favorite, favorite, like, actual having a dream dream and best sensation I've felt in a dream. That or just, like, being able to bounce, like, moon bounce, but get very high. That's more like what flying is in dreams for me. Mm, It's almost like like swimming in the air. Yeah. It's kind of like you can push yourself up, but you'll kind of drift down slowly, which I think is my brain's way of dealing with the fear of falling. It's like you can't fall fast. You're going through this thing. Nope. This is built in. It's thick. It's thick there. It's thick thick. I'm very tired of words, apparently. (laughs) I'm done of them. That is the story of Kent Couch, who didn't make it quite as far from home as some of the folks we will probably end up talking about. He didn't go 20,000 Lee or whatever. He didn't come from a completely mysterious source. (laughs) But he went pretty far for a guy being held up by a bunch of helium balloons. He really did. Good for him. He really did. Yeah. That was a fun story. I'm glad I got to tell you about it, and I'm glad I get to tell everybody about it. I already went over the socials at the top of the season. It's the usual stuff. Just look and see if Ouija Broads are around. We might be. Expect <laughs> us when you see us. <laughs> the Patreon is getting filled back up with stuff because the machine has cranked into gear again. I've been putting our warm-ups, old nostalgia articles I've done. Let's see. I 
recently was working on the one about the monkey room at the Silliman Hotel. I love that one. Stuff about how Spokane got introduced to espresso. And yeah, just there's some fun stuff on there if you want to throw Mm -hmm. a dollar. But don't worry about it if you don't have the dollar to give or you're just doing something else. It's all good. Follow your bliss. I'm happy with it. Follow your bliss like a little cat couch. <laughs> like a little be a cat happy couch. little cloud this week and follow your dreams. And as you're doing that, I would love if you would live weird. Die weird. And stay weird. Thank you for listening. Thank you for listening. Why didn't he make his tagline, I saw the world without ever leaving my couch? Mm-hmm.